1: may have
0: heard of us all right what's up wet boys this is Stephen, your host with phantology podcast i have my friends ryan and josh my lifelong friends i should say and de- we are demoted here. here over Stephen. yeah no that's my here. best that's my that's still still <laughs> lifelong um we we're talking about the way of shadows by brent weeks brent weeks first book and the first book in the Night Angel trilogy. And we're interested in this series because uh, it's it's been one that I think has been on our list for a while, but it's also one that uh, Brent is writing more in. So he's, he's following up to his trilogy with another series of some kind. I'm not sure if it's a trilogy or what it is exactly. It's called the Kylar Chronicles and Night Angel Nemesis is coming out in just a few months. So we thought we'd try to catch up on these ones. Anyway, that introduction, aside. So I think Ryan, you're kind of, you're wanting to jump in. So tell us about uh, The Way of Shadows.
1: I think this is overall like a a fairly well-regarded book in epic fantasy. I mean, it's talked about a little bit and, you know, it's popular enough that people, quite a few people have read it and I guess recommend it. And so I've, I read this trilogy. Um, I think uh, maybe four, three, four years ago around around that. And I really liked it. So I was excited to see it that Brent Weeks is writing another book, Night Angel Nemesis, in it. And so I was also excited to reread it. But I was a little bit nervous because I was a little bit nervous because I, having read it and, like, talked more about it, I've become more aware of the criticism of the book. And so I'm like, well, by rereading it now, am I going to like it less because of the criticism? And Mm -hmm. I still really loved the first book, The Way of Shadows. Um, And and so I'm happy about that. But I think it would be, I, I, I think that a lot of the criticism that I've read is valid. And so I don't think that this book is for everyone, but I'm really excited to talk to you guys.
0: So with that uh, caveat there, I guess let's let's not do any spoilers yet. If you're interested in this series, so what do you, what is the criticism? Or should,
1: well, I think yeah. um, the the primary criticisms are that th- there's a lot of like fantasy tropes in this book. It's not really anything novel that'll. There's not really much unique about it, I guess.
0: Right, um, it's it's fairly like it's just kind of a bunch of archetypes from other books, that yeah, are, that are mashed together. But honestly, you know, we were talking about um, Anthony Ryan's series, the Draconis Memoria series that that we've been reading, The Waking Fire, and we kind of said the same thing. Like this book is just a bunch of other fantasy archetypes, kind of stuffed together, and a lot of books are are like that. So I, I don't really know how to separate. You know, okay, this one does a good job of using the story yeah. that we've read before. This one doesn't, it doesn't do a good job. I think that's kind of hard to say.
1: Yeah. And I mean, besides that, I don't think there is, I, I don't think fans of well-written literary geniuses will enjoy this. I think it is, you know, I simply written, I guess is the best word. Like it's not, I don't know, it's not going to, you read it because I think it's a cool character, cool characters in a cool world with action. It's fast paced. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have too much symbolism in it. It's not like the name of the wind where this is, you know, beautiful prose that, you know, it's whereas I think the name of the wind is similar in that it has a lot of common fantasy archetypes in it, but it's not quite, or I mean, it, it but but the writing, I think, helps take it to the next level, I guess is what mm. I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, this, this book is kind of strange for me because I, I do, I mean, I wasn't really aware of those criticisms, but I totally agree with most of them. This kind of AI is all their age right now, right? This kind of seems like if you were <laughs> to have like chat GPT write out like an entire novel, like fantasy novel, Like, it might spit out something like this if you gave it the parameters of, like, an assassin, like, apprentice, you know, fantasy novel. Mm
0: Yeah, I mean, Chad, it's not going to do that.
2: Well, yeah, of course not. But, like, you know what? You kind of see what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, of course, like, it's not going to write a whole novel, right? But, like, it it feels like a um, what just if somebody were assembling together just a traditional tropey fantasy book in the mid 2000s would mm. do which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing at all like i'm 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 saying I, my tone of voice is kind of like negative right now because i feel like i've read enough fantasy that i'm viewing it through like kind of a negative lens but if this is like one of the first fantasy books you've read then you know that's not bad at all so and, and it's not even if you have read a ton like I'm not trying mm-hmm. to shame anyone for liking this book and I quite enjoyed it as well, but it's just not going to be like one of my favorite series at all.
0: Yeah. It's not like every series needs to be a, a work of literary genius. I think, I think like the best way to describe this book is kind of what Ryan was saying earlier, where it's fun, it's fast paced, it's tons of action. There's interesting characters. There's cool magical things being being thrown around. And like the worst thing you could say is It's kind of like a teenage boy's fantasy adventure. Exactly. And and there is, I mean, there's a lot of sexualization of women, let's just say. And I think there's going to be like a lot of people that read fantasy that are not going to appreciate that.
1: I, I think that in that sense, it reminds me a lot of the Dresden Files. Whereas, I mean, you know how the Dresden Files, the common... I guess, argument is that Harry Dresden deals with a lot of, you know, supernatural beings who can present themselves Mm -hmm. in a variety of ways. And many of them present themselves in, you know, very sexual ways in order to manipulate mortals or, you know, however, whereas you might not have that same excuse in this book. I think that that also is, you know, it, it falls into the teenage boy character where, You know, many of these, many women are, and I think it's the exception that they're not described as having, you know, beautiful voluptuous bodies and full perky breasts, you know, in in fact, most of them, the breasts are described, (laughs) and that is absolutely a fair criticism of this book, too.
2: It just, it uh, just went from bosom and wheel of time to breasts and, and more modern books granted like this the main character these are like now very very slight like spoilers it moves from him like kind of through his adolescence right like where at the beginning of the book Mm -hmm. he's like a young kid and then it goes up to like maybe like 20 or something right and so like these are like your red blooded male like i think a lot of people do see every like you know this is when you really are paying attention to every slight curve of a woman's body and thinking it's like sculpted from the gods, I think, you know. So in that sense, yeah. it kind of makes sense. But I think the interesting thing is um Lightbringer, another series by Brent Weeks, also kind of has some of these criticisms, especially I feel like in the early books. I don't know, you think like he learned maybe a little bit?
0: I feel like Lightbringer is better. I I mean I I read the first I read Wave Shadows and I've actually finished the second book. Um and I plan on finishing the trilogy and I'm trying to remember back to my impressions of Lightbringer because I read them three or four years ago. And I, I just remember liking it more. So I, I feel like he ha- he did learn.
2: Yeah. I, I think he learned like through the series of Lightbringer and he does and throughout the series of Lightbringer deal with um, sex in much more like realistic ways and um, stuff like that. No, I don't want to get in too much for that series, but I think he is growing as an author. I, I just think that you know, the, those same kind of themes of like over-sexualizing kind of every woman that uh, walks across the page was definitely present, I think, in book one of Lightbringer and and is present. And the- I,
1: I I do want to say that I read a little bit about, so these books were published, I think, in 2008, 2009-ish, I, I don't, or maybe 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, so uh, they are a bit older. And Brent Weeks, he finished the first, tri- or the Night Angel trilogy, and I think he wanted to continue in in that world, but he realized that his writing skills weren't really up to the point where he felt he could adequately tell the story that he wanted to keep telling. So at that point, he was like, oh, now I'll just write this quick trilogy in, you know, the Lightbringer world. And that Trilogy ended up being what five books or was it six?
0: Five. It's it's five, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: It's five books. And I think most people agree that his writing is significantly better in that series. So now that he's finished Lightbringer, he's kind of come back to this. So I'm I'm really interested to see how his writing in Night Angel Nemesis will compare to this first trilogy.
2: I think one other thing while we're just talking about the outlines of the series this The series, I feel like it it's kind of hard for me to place like a genre on it, too. Like there are some definitely like grim dark grim dark things about it, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of lighter for a lighter tone for some of the book. But then, like out of nowhere, like really kind of graphically uh sexual assault type things happen. and just like kind of all those trigger warnings at one point happen throughout the book but it never feels like a book like First Law where it's like kind of reveling in the grim darkness of it. And like the characters, I don't know. What do you guys think? It doesn't really feel like a grim dark book. The characters
0: seem like, yeah, the characters seem like they have a moral compass to them. I mean, obviously there's protagonists and antagonists, but there are definitely characters who know what's right and they want to do what's right. So in that sense, there's not as much grim dark to it. But it's in this very low fantasy setting where, yeah, things it's kind of set mostly in this crappy city where there's a a lot of crime and violence and all kinds of issues that are not shied away from. They're usually not like graphically depicted on, you know, on stage on the page, but we definitely hear all about them and they're very important for the characters.
1: Yeah, I think I think the world and a lot of the events could be characterized as grimdark, but the characters aren't necessarily grimdark. There's not there's not too many gray characters. I think some. I think a lot of the characters are like attempted to be portrayed as gray, but
2: mm, yeah,
1: they're really like right good.
2: Yeah, they're good people that like. oh i made this one bad decision and it was a really bad decision and since then i've been making bad decisions but i'm really a good person you know that's kind of like yeah uh, yeah i think we're all thinking of probably the same character yeah but yeah i i agree and and this i looking back i think um having read a lot of fantasy books it's really interesting i feel like this era of like the mid-2000s like 2006 to 2010 this is when like i feel like there was a pretty kind of a substantial shift in, in genre, you know, where like, I think the success of like game of Thrones and we don't have to spend too much time talking about this, but I think the success of game of Thrones obviously like issued mm-hmm. in a lot more, you know, uh, permission to be a lot more intense with things, but also, you know, there were a lot of uh, like Harry Potter had made like this whole generation of new, of like new, still fairly young people that were like right. looking for fantasy books to read. And so I think you get this really interesting like confluence of factors that like lead to these type of series being written that are like kind of aimed at younger audiences, but still have like pretty dark themes and things happening mm-hmm. in them.
0: Yeah, there was an expansion in that direction during that time. And it feels like nowadays the expansion is more just like into different types of settings and cultures and authors of, you know, all walks of life. Starting to publish things. So that just an expansion like in all directions. But yeah, there was like a big shift in in like the acceptable tones almost in in fantasy.
2: And maybe that's just because when we that's kind of when we were experiencing them as well. But having like going back and reading these older fantasy books, you do find a lot of Mm -hmm. these things were being written that general time period.
0: Yeah. And a lot of authors that are like pretty well established and popular now all kind of started. Around that time period, I mean, I guess you could say that of any time period, right? There's always new authors that are getting started, but it feels like a lot of a lot of the authors that are at least kind of at the top of our list that we get excited for when they have a new book, a lot of them kind of started around this time.
2: Yeah, and, and I do think that. Yeah, I don't know. We this is maybe a, a whole different podcast conversation, and I would want to do more research into it. Yeah, but yeah,
1: yeah. Should we get into spoilers?
2: Well, what, yeah. What, yep. what, Do you want to do like a rating before
0: us? Let's say in general how much we liked the book then with all those caveats and explanations aside. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You guys want to go first?
1: I I will go first. I'm going to give this a eight and a half out of 10, which I think is probably high, uh, probably a lot higher than other people will give it. But like I said, I really enjoyed it the first time I read it. And I really enjoyed it the second time, even though I am aware of a lot of the criticism. I think it, you know, it appeals to that. Maybe the teenage boy inside of me. I just, I felt like the tropes, even, even though they might've been a little derivative were just a lot of fun for me to read. The boy is still there inside the man. The boy is still there.
2: <laughs> okay. I think I'm going to go a six out of 10 on, on this one for me. I think that there's a lot of room to grow. In the series, and I'm excited to keep reading it. I think that there were just one too many kind of eye rolling moments that kind of on what we've already talked about with the wish fulfillment mm-hmm. stuff.
1: There are a lot of cringy moments. Yeah. Yeah. That I recognize yep. more of this read through.
2: Yeah. And, and some of like the, the we can start talking about spoilers, but some of the twists that happened, it's like, okay, I guess fine. Like, I don't know. We'll talk more about that in spoilers, but yeah, six out of 10. Okay.
0: I'll split the difference. I'll say it's a seven out of 10. That's probably what I would have given it uh, before hearing your ratings as well. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, the teenage boy is, is very much alive inside of me as well. So um, I I don't think I was horribly bothered by too many of those things, but I totally understand if you are. Um, I, I did think there were a lot of cringy moments that I think as as an adult reader now did kind of take away some of the enjoyment for me. And I feel like The pacing was pretty good but there were like maybe a few too many characters or just characters that weren't quite developed enough like there were there was a few plot threads that I didn't feel like got enough time to really make me interested in them but we you know Brent just kind of like kept on insisting that we keep it in this part of the story and and so I struggled with that I feel like maybe a little more balance between all of the the whole narrative was needed but I mean it, it felt like a, a first book from an author and, you know, it, it was by no means a, a bad book, but I think if you're looking for, you know, a great work of literature, this is certainly not it, but if you're looking for, you know, an enjoyable fantasy read that you can just kind of binge through, then I, I think that, you know, this one checks the boxes.
2: The, the tricky thing about this one is I always go back to like, who am I going to recommend this book to? And there's really mm-hmm. like a pretty small subset of people. Like there's a lot of series that I would recommend before this one things like first lot brandon sanderson even like anthony like blood song like there's there's just a lot that i would recommend before this i think having not read the whole first series but if if i think if somebody has read a lot of that and is like oh what's another fun series that i can i can get into then i would recommend mm-hmm. this
0: i mean i would definitely recommend lightbringer before uh night angel yeah probably
1: i would probably recommend night angel before Lightbringer. Really? Okay. I enjoyed it more. You enjoyed it more. Wow.
2: Yeah. I will say I think I like Kylar more than Kip.
0: Yeah, I could see that. It takes a while for us to to, to maybe fully appreciate
2: Kip. And maybe maybe that's why he made it take Kip a little bit longer to get likable is because Kylar went on such a rapid progression. I don't know. Sorry, we're getting into spoilers now. So yeah, we should just be yeah. done with our spoiler for a session.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, going into uh, spoilers for the first book only, because uh, Josh has not read the second yet, we'll do a we'll do a, obviously a follow up preview of book two. Okay, so I've been starting the last few uh, recordings off by just asking you guys what you liked about the book. What were, I guess maybe let's let's flip it around. Like, what were some things that kind of bugged you that that maybe lowered the rating, and then we can get into favorite moments after that.
1: I mean, I feel like. We've talked about them generally. Is I mean the portrayal of women. You have Aline, who's like this virgin, like very righteous, you know, doesn't wouldn't hurt a fly type person. Um, You have Mama Kay, who's like this prostitute that has somehow ascended to being the basically the lord of the underworld, but is still very righteous at heart which like
2: Mm -hmm. and also still like dependent on a man you know and yeah that's true and like and like uh in love like smitten by you know like yeah yeah she's got too many angles (laughs) wait Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah and then you have like i think the most like intriguing one personally is vi which we don't see a lot of in book one but she's she's almost like a foil to kylar where she's like a talented weapon. oh she's named. the other
2: assassin right that like almost yeah. got the jump on him
1: mm-hmm. yeah the hot she's, one she's yeah. a talented uh, yeah obviously she's got amazing breasts and an amazing body and is you know 10 out of 10 yeah so she she's like the apprentice of the other you know like the second best wet boy in the city who's huge and you know who doesn't really have a moral compass mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like maybe if kylar had been raised in other circumstances he'd be like vi but you know once again she falls into the trap where she's she boiled down to her looks and her sex appeal
2: yeah kind of a femme fatale i w- okay this is kind of dumb of me i was always confused on if oh what, the wet what boy you just named uh Hugh Jibbit? Hugh, Hugh Jibbit was just I I always maybe this was just my extrapolation that was incorrect, but I always thought it was oh geez now I'm forgetting the main uh, his trainer There's Blint There's Dur- Blint I always thought like that Hugh Gibbet was just like he was both people no I I, I and I realized that at the ending of the book and maybe that was just like an oh. extrapolation I made that like he was also like Hugh Gibbet because he he was hired to pretend to be Hugh it at one point right. Or am I just yeah. That up too? yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Was. And yeah. I
0: mean, he was, he did definitely wear several masks.
2: Yeah. So that was my kind of theory. And I think I, I think I actually like, didn't think it was a theory. I thought it was like actually the case that mm-hmm. he was also pretending to be huge, Jibbit, like to create, you know, like he was just both people and he was, so you, uh,
0: you thought that he actually like massacred the whole gyre household and that was Durzo.
2: I, yeah, I thought up until then of the book that that was like actually J- derzel um being mm. hired to be like being huge of it as well like that he anyway, but that was just a mistake in reading it or like a conclusion that I drew that I thought was like stated but wasn't, although I think I still think it would have been a cool twist that he was both you know both web boys the entire time.
0: I mean, it would have it actually would have fit pretty well for a Brent week's twist
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. On the topic of Durzo Blint and things we didn't like, I didn't like that. I thought it was fine that Durzo Blint is like, you know, this immortal who is, you know, a Kalis Thorn. But I thought it was just kind of silly how he like signed the note to, yeah to Kylar A. Thorn. And then Kylar's just thinking, he's like, oh, he's probably a Calus Thorne, this legendary hero from, you know, like 700 years ago and I was like I feel like that was a stupid way to to reveal that I think it should have like gone on for longer and Kyler should have figured it out in like another way it was more like uh it was more like a telling of it rather than a showing which I think Mm. a twist of that magnitude deserves more of um a show not tell
2: can I give my most annoying thing for the entire book yeah. okay
1: i feel like we're really starting this this yeah maybe, maybe that's in a negative way
0: maybe that's my bad should we pause and go to positives let's, let's, and then
2: let, josh, you... yeah, let's let, let josh yeah let me talk about talk. this it's yeah, not really yeah. that negative it's a pet peeve for sure but just the number of like fake out deaths in this book was like off off the charts like it just seems like every chap not every chapter but a lot of chapters would end up with like oh like like the number of times even kylar like you thought was dead was just like a lot you know like when
1: did you think he was dead
2: when dursel blitz stabs him and and like he sees himself like bleeding out or whatever and then like all fades to black
1: yeah i mean i kind of i feel like even reading that the first time i knew that like yeah because as it seemed
2: you have the whole book but like still like right it it was that's definitely like i would consider it a fake out death the ending of the book when he does get pretty much killed by. Well, I mean,
0: that's, that's important. That's going to be part of the plot that he, you know, he does die and come back.
2: Yeah. But it's still fake out death.
0: I mean, well, but it's, but he does die and he is revived through a, a significant like thing for the plot. It's not just, we're not just telling the reader, Oh, he's dead. Oh, he's not dead. It's like, he is dead and he comes back to life because of
2: this thing. Okay it's kind of like a fine still It's like I, and that's why i think that if, you, if you're going to do that then you shouldn't have like fake out deaths leading up to that because like i didn't take that death seriously at all because i've already seen oh okay this, sure. this guy you know what i mean and then i feel like mm-hmm. there's like at least one other time with just Kyler that like he gotten poisoned or something and then it was fading to black and he thought he was gonna die as well and then there was like the fake out death with the princess the fake out death with um with luke there's the fake out like just with luke. most main Luke, yeah. You mean Logan? Uh, Logan, sorry, yeah, Logan. The fake out, sorry, my bad. The fake out death, Logan. Like, uh I feel like there's a also had a fake a couple fake out deaths. Um, there is, I, like, I don't know, just like I feel like almost every main character had at least one fake out death throughout the book, and it just lowered the stakes kind of for me. I'm not saying it's like a deal breaker at all, and that's why it's like mm. in the realm of like pet peeves. But I think that that was something that.
0: So you're just me. never gonna. You're never gonna trust.
2: Well why you know, would I? Yeah. I don't know. I mean to anyway. to counter,
1: I mean, yes, I agree. There are a lot of fake out deaths. But then at the end, tons of people die. That's that true. Are, that are yeah. like, you know, all these noble people. Um, I thought it was like the guy's like, I'm gonna save the day and kill the king, and then he kills the king and he's like, Yeah, let's get all these nobles and rally. And then they get huh. like cornered in a room and just massacred. And but like uh, all then
2: all the important people still like, I, I thought it was like, oh man, he's actually like killing the right. princess and stuff. Like, I,
1: that's, that's why I was, that's why I agree in the beginning where it was like the world is grim dark with like lots of grim dark events, but like the characters still, the main characters still have a lot of plot armor, which isn't grim dark, mm-hmm. but it's, I think it's like grim dark where it's like, yeah this enemy kingdom does come and basically depose the sitting king and take over and you know like a lot of the corrupt nobles like um, a lot of the corrupt nobles like end up succeeding and like throwing out all these people and so I I think that uh, yeah I mean it's it's a weird mix but I kind of like it because it's hard when you're reading a grimdark book and you know a character who you love dies um i mean maybe that that type of emotion is what makes the genre so compelling but for me sometimes i I think i need i i guess more rare when i'm reading because of the emotions that it brings out in me it's just hard for me to read those types of events where somebody i care about so much is killed
2: i
0: agree so full disclosure i read this book uh the way of shadow's probably shortly after you did Ryan. Cause I think maybe you've mentioned that you read it. So I read it. So I read the first book and mm-hmm. I liked it. Okay. But I think I must've got distracted or went to a different series. So I, I had not yet continued on to books two and three. And I remembered a few details, you know, just kind of, okay, it's this, it's this kid who trains to be an assassin and he goes through his life a little bit. And the two scenes that I remember really vividly were the one that you just described where all the nobles run into that room and they get slaughtered by roth i thought that part was really chilling and the action there Mm -hmm. was was really good and exciting and horrifying and then the other scene i remember was when at the very end when logan has to drop into the hell beneath the the regular jail the regular jail is already really bad but then he's got to go into the one that's even worse so Mm -hmm. those those two parts as well as like i think him getting captured and i couldn't remember if his if his uh, if janine died or lived actually as i was reading it so that was interesting to read but um yeah so the, the, that action really at the end of the book i thought was all was was all pretty great yeah uh,
2: yeah that's that was kind of the weird thing about this book is throughout the book i was like ah oh, this is kind of mid you know like i was kind of more you like in towards like a 5 but then the end of the book i think really um was the best part of the book a lot of ways i know i just complained about like the figure out death with Kyler, but i think everything else like it it almost had a sander Lanch type feel where the last like 20 percent of the book Mm -hmm. was just like it really all came together boom 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 every like every chapter or something like you're putting pieces together left and right Mm -hmm. things are going like fast paced some of the things another kind of like cringy thing like does it really need to be this was like roth being uh being rat rat his name is rat Right, yeah right, just right. like that was like oh come on like why can't we just have two bad guys you know does it have to be the same bad guy yeah Like just kind of it's another one of those things that a little bit of like a plot uh
0: yeah i mean yeah. i thought it was fine because he got killed right afterwards and it was really impactful to kylar to be like you know this this person who traumatized me so much is now back again like yeah maybe is a yeah, little but- yeah, but, a little cringe but, then that's but kind at of the like, same time
2: it's kind of annoying that they brought him back you get the reveal and then he just dies because like i don't know I, if it worked for you then that's great to me it was just like oh we just want one more big twist that's not really going to matter in 10 pages mm-hmm. maybe it maybe it does make it more impactful on a reread but it, it to me it kind of undermined some of the growth like some of the things that he had to deal with was like with killing rat at the beginning like that kind of was a big defining moment for his character and he had to deal with that trauma so then like to find out the end of the of book, that uh, he didn't actually kill him and he just i don't know it, it didn't really work for me but well, i mean the trauma
0: still nice. the trauma still happened right and now he's back and the trauma's back again with him for another dose
2: yeah, yeah. okay fair enough
0: i mean i didn't think it was a, an amazing twist but I, I thought it was fine
2: it, it felt like an i guess To me, it felt like an unnecessary twist. Like, the twist worked and made sense and was impactful. It just felt kind of unnecessary. Like, you can have this really sadistic, bad, evil person that doesn't also Mm -hmm. have to be the really sadistic, bad, evil person from, like, the first few chapters of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it didn't make a whole lot of sense that, I don't know, Nef Dada was... he, He kind of treated Rat like he was super expendable, but then at the end, he, like, saves him from dying, so... Or not at the end, but I mean, in the beginning. Back, yeah, back when, in the day, yeah. When Kylar was going to kill him, he saves him. Mm. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of inconsistencies. I, I That's the thing with this book. I feel like macro scale, reading through it, it's great. And like I said, I loved it. But like, I think when you take a microscope to a lot of these things, there are, like I said, inconsistencies and things that you can... You know really nitpick and i guess maybe maybe you don't even really have to take a microscope it's like you just pause a minute from you know reading through everything very quickly uh mm. to notice it
0: i definitely enjoyed the kylar growing up training montage kind of dealing yeah. with you know i'm killing these people am i evil like, like there were some there were some things we said earlier you know it's not really you know a deep thinker literary book that there were certainly some themes, is about what you'd expect, right? You have this guy who seems to have a moral compass, but he's got to do these bad things. So how does he justify this? It wasn't explored super in depth. Um, yeah. It's going to continue to be a, a thing, right? And then I think the relationship with Durzo and kind of finding out, like you know, m- maybe the reveal wasn't super amazing, but getting more, get, you know, getting these more and more hints as to who he is and what his backstory is and how he's got to this point. I thought that was all pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, th- their last fight was some good action. So, yeah, the the bones of the story, I think are all pretty strong, like Ryan was saying. But then if you really want to get into it, you're like, eh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It could have been better.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, some things that I really loved, I, I liked Kylar as a character. I was able to relate to him. He is, he's not like, he he's a very moral character but then at the same time he is able to kill people like his first kill his first assassination was you know that botched kind of delivery or yeah or he he I guess disguises himself as delivery he goes up into that tower and kills the guy and then that girl comes back and then he kills her too that was like I think kind of a grim dark type thing for him to do you know I, I feel like a lot of these, characters you know they're they you know sort of like batman they're like i will disable you and you know like I, but i won't kill you i won't cross that line whereas kylar has no qualms with it
2: it seems like he does have some qualms with it but those qualms kind of get squashed out
1: yeah, yeah. you're right he ha- he needs he needs a reason to do it
2: yeah that was one of the more i guess perturbing moments of the book was not just that he like they killed his first kill but that he also then had to go kill the the serving person you know what i mean because yeah. like, i i think you could i can get like a moral justification for like killing what they call like debtor like somebody that has like a a head out on their life because one mm-hmm. like you know that they're gonna die right like you know that they're gonna die anyway somebody's gonna kill them right like so Maybe that person should just be you, and you should do it as like humanely and painlessly as possible. Like I get how somebody could like walk through like a moral permission for themselves to do that, but then like you know running into a and not just innocent person, but person that would other I survive had you done your job better. Like that's mm. just like another level of you know kind of moral compromise that are, in my opinion. Well, I is. think
0: the way that I read that was he had to kill her for selfish reasons because he said if I don't kill her, basically Durzo is going to kill me. And if I, if I want to get to where I want to get to in my life, which is to be a wet boy, I've I've got to do this. Otherwise I've got no
1: other options. And it is a repeat of the theme where Kylar does, he hesitates to do what Durzo tells him and it causes consequences, right? He hesitates to Mm -hmm. kill rat and it ends up with Aline being scarred. Now he hesitates to kill his debtor and then, the other girl comes back. And so now he has to take an innocent life. Mm.
0: And he hesitates to kill Durzo even though uh Oh yeah, that's what, true. So Solon and uh what's the other guy's name? Um Dorian. Yeah, Dorian. Yeah, they come in and they tell him this stuff. And like of course he's not gonna listen right away because no one does that in a fantasy book. But if he had, then a lot of it would have been, you know, crisis would have been
1: averted. I think it would have been better more meaningful in the end if he had intentionally killed Durzo, rather than you know like oh i mm-hmm. accidentally grazed him with this like poison that kills him i agree. You know he like recognizes like look i like i love Durzo. he was kind of like a father to me but you know for the good of everybody i need to kill him
2: i i, I really agree with that ryan i think that that's a good point It it was a point ben made about i shouldn't do spoilers for the latest avatar movie he made a point about though, like there was a, a death in the latest Avatar movie where it wasn't. It was kind of like that, where it was like a, a stray, like a just a random bullet got somebody, and it, it took away kind of the impact of what it could have been a really mm-hmm. intense, more meaningful death, both for people grieving for the the person and for like the person that gets blamed for the death, and for the character itself. I feel like this is kind of the same way that like it could have been a really a much bigger. Part of Kyler's character mm-hmm. for that death to happen,
0: but I, it's tough too. You've got the two single most capable fighters in the whole city going at each other, right? Like you're not holding back anything in those moments. You're trying to defend yourself, which means you're probably going to try to kill the other person. So, I mean, I I think it seems realistic that in the in the course of the fight, even if you don't intentionally decide i'm going to kill you like once you enter into that fight aren't you like kind of
2: but but that's the thing like it would have been more impactful had he actually like stabbed him in the chest or something then like oh he yeah. just kind of like threw a knife and it like happened to like yeah graze him you know
0: like okay i've kicked his sword away and now he's at my mercy and i could either let him live or i could kill him and i'm gonna
2: kill him or yeah or, yeah, or even like in the midst of like he got through like he got through a, a he got through a parry that he didn't think he was going to, and then like got him in the you know like he thought that that parry would be blocked, but he actually got him like you know the mm-hmm. attack got through and got him in the chest, and like now he's feeling like his you know hands pressed up against I I don't know who knows I mean this is you know why we're I'm not an author but I think mm-hmm. that, that that scene could have been more impactful had it been a little bit more personally like that death been a little bit more personal.
0: I think one of the little things that, that bugged me that's kind of been uh, hinted at earlier is just the number of times we had to hammer back on this theme of doll girl Aline and her scars and the scars are really, uh, you know, not attractive and she's struggling with that. And, but Kyler doesn't see that because, you know, she's she's really hot otherwise, but, and she's also, <laughs> you, you know, this uh, perfect, you know, righteous virgin woman right which is either basically the women are either i'm stealing this from that review that i was reading but the women are either righteous virgins or they are yeah you know no morals and really uh uh r- really brutal i guess or they're just like the rabble anyway so aline is just this archetype she's she's not really developed very much other than she's what kylar kind of aspires his life to be like almost, and I, I, I have hopes for future development of this character. I think there's a lot of room for it, but in the first book, just the number of times where we hammered back on this thing with the scars and Kyler feels terrible about the scars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. it's just so much.
1: What about how Kyler
0: stalks Celine? Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little cringe for sure.
2: Uh, to, maybe, so, maybe on, more than a little. Honestly hot take but for me that makes a lot of sense i think that the more cringy is when they start like actually interacting with each other i think if you like say like the one person that you like want to take care of in life and you know that if you do actually enter their life it's going to be make things really bad for them like just kind of trying to get snippets of their life when they can i don't know like i feel like with social media like guys not just guys but people do that all the time like just go on yeah that's fair like if they have somebody that they feel like they would in another life would you know be with then they go on like look look at their social media feeds and stuff i don't know like
0: yeah yeah there's a lot of stocking that's a good
2: point josh yeah like just get snippets of their life and feel like okay well they're doing well I, i i can feel you know feel like okay i'm glad that that person that i you know once cared for a lot like is happy i feel like that's a pretty normal human thing okay it it would have been creepy if he had like was watching her like undress and and stuff like you know but no he's just like kind of getting making sure she's doing all right okay
0: i buy that rebuttal i'm okay with that
2: not that i endorse stalking or even like facebook stalking i'm just i don't know i'm just saying that like i think it's natural it's an
0: understandable thing yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. for his character okay
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah 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 The one other minor thing, I guess,
2: <laughs>
0: we are being fairly negative, um, but the, I, I think there's just a bunch of things that could be pointed out. So the whole conflict is around scenario being overtaken by Kalidor, right? And I just the whole time I just struggled to think, like, do I really care that this is happening? Because scenario is, is this super crappy kingdom ruled by an incompetent king, and there's just a lot of bad people around, and it seems like the whole place is... Yeah, it's, it's terrible, right? Like, why would I trust that the current kingdom is doing any good? And so we've got this other kingdom, Kalador, that's coming in. And they're even worse. You know, they're they're we, we've got to stop them. But I'm kind of being told that. But at the same time, I don't see that a ton. Um, you do see it a bit. And especially as you get into the second book, you see that Kalador is, you know, a fairly evil group. And there's just a bunch of zealotists and, and ugly people. But at the same time, it would, I don't know, like if you're trying to get me to cheer for one side against the other, you've got to maybe put some people in into the government more, like if Logan and his family was involved more, like if Duke Jeyer, uh, you know, he seemed like a guy that I could cheer for a little bit more. He's kind of like the Dalinar type figure. You know, if he was a little more ingrained in the leadership of scenario, then I could definitely get behind him in his fight against Kalidor. But that I, I didn't really care that the corrupt king got killed and there were like a few random nobles that maybe seem like decent people that were fighting back
2: well that's why i i was excited that it did it did look like logan was going to be more stand in for the government because i like you was like well who cares? like these people just all seem like terrible people who cares if they get mm-hmm. taken over so now i i do hope that there does become somebody like a figurehead or something that we
1: well wasn't that wasn't that Like, one of the more interesting developments of the book, though, is that you start to, like, see this glimpse of a brighter future of scenario that's Logan and Janine being married. And they realize that, hey, like, I could love you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is somebody that I don't love now. Like, we were forced to marry each other. But I can grow to love you in the future. And you're like, Logan is a great person. He will, like, be a just king. And it seems like he's got an intelligent and just queen. And so it'll they'll like bring their two houses together. There'll be less strife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's just a positive outlook. And you get a glimpse of that. And then it's just torn away and just the most ugly way with Hugh Gibbet coming in. Or not Hugh Gibbet with Roth and Naphtada coming in. So I I thought that was a compelling part of the book. It had the same beats
0: as like The Red Wedding, but maybe not quite as, not as much of a shock value. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of the same, like, oh, we've got a lot of hope here. These are good characters. We like them, but uh, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. all going to crap. I
1: really, I want to talk that, uh, I want to talk that. um, I'm obviously not talking well. Talk it out. I really like the magic system in this and I mean I guess the talent is not really what I'm referring to the talent is more ambiguous it seems like different people it means different things for different people Mm -hmm. but I really like the kakaris and you know how you have different kakaris that give different powers of course all we've seen is a secretive black kakari that we're not exactly sure what it does It, it reminds me a little bit of like a symbiote from spider-man you know with where venom is the symbiote he's like this black yeah. Yeah, that's um, good. like suit that covers a mm. character and kind of gives them powers so that's something that i am excited about that like these these weapons items of power that you know are kind of missing from the world you don't really know exactly where they're at so i think that could be or at least that is something that excites me
0: yeah, the magic was good. I, I think I like the Lightbringer magic because I really do like the structured magic and that yeah. had a little more defined, like, okay, this does this, this does this. And there was kind of a blending of soft and hard magic here. I thought there were a lot of like low-key Wheel of Time type things and the magic was was definitely one of them. So yeah, yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the magic. I think I also kind of, I mentioned that the side characters I struggled with a bit and I was referring to the Solon, uh, I forgot his name again, the seer Dorian. Guy. and Dorian and their their friend who's the big swordsman and the their ear. magic, yeah, fear, yeah, and their magic sword. Um, it w- that was a cool moment when Solon gets up there and holds up his sword and basically wipes out all the opposing mages. I thought that that was another good part of all the action. Yeah, but that group was just not quite developed. I, I was never really attached to them too much. I guess I kind of get what they're doing. But at the same time, we needed more time with them. But the side character that I did like was Jarl because I thought his development from where he went at the beginning to kind of rising up the ranks and becoming, you know, like the the apprentice leader of the Sakage, right, um, under, under Mama K. Like, he has, he seems like a really resilient, um, interesting guy. And I kind of wish we got more time with him as well. But I think what we did get was was
1: really good. I feel like Aline is this pure righteousness uh, as a character whereas Jarl is more like a realistic righteousness like mm-hmm. his circumstances suck but he's still a very good person which I guess you know is similar to Mama K but I'm, I'm thinking about how like at the beginning when Jarl's he's like saved he gets beat up because he doesn't bring his he doesn't pay Rat the money like to get by and so Rat beats him but he's really saving up, you know, as hope for like that something better will come along. And then he recognizes, hey, like Kylar could actually get out of here. Kylar could do something good, and then it could lead to good for all of us. So he gives the money to Kylar. And he's very much, I don't know. I, I think I almost like his representation of goodness better than Aline's. Like, you know, like pure, like. Mm-hmm not necessarily holier than now, but I don't, she, she like anything. I mean,
0: Alina is, is just frustrating because yeah, we can see, so we can see from Kyler's point of view that he is a good guy at heart, but he's in these situations and he's gotta, uh, you know, mm-hmm. go after things and, and in the sake of like, he's the Batman, right. But Alina is just like, come on woman. You know, you live in this world. You see what's going on around you. You grew yeah. up in the slums here. Like, why do you have this crazy attitude of like, no, we cannot do anything. Uh, You know, there's no violence that could possibly be just.
2: Yeah. I 100% agree. It's it's kind of stuff like this, that like with the one dimensional characters that does feel tropey, you know? And like you said, there's a lot of time spent on side characters that, that aren't don't really end up being important. That could have been applied to kind of our more central characters.
1: So you think is Jarl Yarl as a character that maybe could have been combined into another more central character. Is that what you're saying?
2: I'm more, th- I'm more thinking like some of the Paul's, I don't know. Some of the side plots with like, with just the, the house, like who, who uh, Logan's going to marry. Like, I, I just didn't really care about that. You know, like maybe that could have been combined with a lead mm-hmm. or something. I think Charlie, like this stuff
0: going on with the king and the prince and the king's yeah, harlots the and king, all that.
2: Yeah. And, and like the, and him be, being betrayed by his betrothed. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean,
1: I do think that, uh, yeah, I like, can certainly see that, but Logan is also kind of almost like Eileen, in the sense that he has like this very like righteous view of the world. Like I'm going to save myself until marriage. And then he, with, his wife or his betrothed he recognizes that like Mm -hmm. things aren't always as yeah good as they appear
2: yeah maybe maybe another thing like maybe jarl and like mama k could have been combined a little bit more like their characters could have been combined a little bit more because it seems like he's going to inherit a lot of her like where she was at but i feel like he was just kind of tossed in again kind of midway through the book. and like, oh, here's, remember this character, he's so important. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah. You've always got to have side characters in your books. I mean, that kind of, you know, keeps them moving. But I think one of the skills that really separates the top-notch authors, maybe from kind of the middle tier authors, is your ability to go in and within like one page, bring in a character, make them super interesting and unique and memorable. And then you can kind of run with them from there. Like the best example, I feel like the the author that I enjoy the most that does this really well is Joe Abercrombie, yep. like right from the beginning of um, the first law, you get Galactic coming in, he's struggling to get up the stairs, you get his internal monologue. You can understand this guy and where he's been at. Like, obviously, obviously there are more facets to him that are, uh, that are kind of revealed over time, but you get attached to this character right away and not because He's this paragon of virtue or righteousness or evilness. Like he's got all kinds of stuff going on with him. But right from the first page, you're like, okay, this is Glockta. This is kind of who he is. I get it now. And anytime he comes up, you know, you, you you can think back to that and you're attached to him. Right. And I think that's really tough to do. And I, I, it's hard to maybe appreciate when it happens.
2: And he, do, he does that again, even with like asides where it's like, there's like a war, like again just very general but like there's a war and then it'll like put you in a viewpoint of like a soldier in the front lines of that war and then like you like you he thinks back to his family and just like you you know suddenly you're like attached to this character who you know is going to die like you know it's just kind of just a way to show this viewpoint that Joe Abercrombie wants to explore i kind of think back to like that 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 noble like you said that killed the king and i was like okay and then rallied everyone and then just died two pages later like in joe Abercrombie's hand. well
0: he actually didn't die or, he just gets like
2: oh yeah he I, just gets
1: you, that's, uh, yeah okay. he, he does talk a little bit about like the nobles who who come with him where he's like Oh, or the noble's like, I just came because my wife made me come.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but like when, when there's a viewpoint that's like put aside to a character that you weren't expecting it to be, that can be used in like a really powerful way or in just like, Oh dang, this needs to happen. And I can't figure out how to get my, one of my main characters to be the viewpoint person for this plot. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what it felt like in this one versus like Joe Abercrombie's, like, I'm going to use this to be a very impactful moment for the reader. Yeah.
0: And like I was saying, this is a really hard thing to do. It is. It's
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I I don't think we want to knock and say like, you know, Week sucks because he wasn't able to produce the same feeling. I'm just pointing out that it's really easy to say side characters weren't quite there. And I think a lot of authors like, you know, we, we love Brandon Sanderson. A lot of his side characters are, you know, but so he, fairly he, archety- archetypical.
2: Yeah, but he'll use these one-off viewpoints to really, really build out the world. You know, where you have like some, yeah, uh, some person studying like this, you know, arcane part of the magic somewhere, and like, and so Sanderson uses it to like really build out these things. Abercrombie uses it to get these really gut-punching moments, and it feels like weeks in these in this, book kind of used it just to be like, okay, and then this plot thing happens, which is yeah. fine.
0: I mean, I think as a you know, author first work being published. Oh yeah, this is that's, yeah, that's true. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's at all like something to, you know, hang your head about that. No, uh, that you, that you weren't able to get to this point. But I think it's really something that I look for when I read. Like, am I able to just jump into a character right away and really get attached to them? Because that's a sign that this guy or or woman uh, knows what they're doing in writing this book.
1: True. And I mean, once again, I go back to my level of enjoyment versus i guess maybe my critique of the book and i really like this book i think this is one of my you know favorite debut novels it's funny talking about an author's debut novel when it came out like you know 14 15 years ago but i i like it a lot like i said i like night angel better than lightbringer even though lightbringer is probably better written yeah dang even though
0: lightbringer has andros guile yeah that guy yeah dude, that's one character. of the best
2: one of the best villains yeah yeah just at full stop yeah they rock
0: i mean when i think about a character like that 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 makes me think like weeks has gotten a lot better with his writing yeah. to pump yeah out
2: think that think about guy. yeah any villains that we have in, in this book versus yeah uh
1: one um, yeah i mean i guess that's true uh, guile is a very compelling character as well one thing that I also learned reading about this I don't know did you guys listen to the audiobook at all or did you read it I listened uh full listen okay so sometimes I I don't know I'm kind of torn like some aspects of this uh narrator I like some I don't but I saw with Brent Weeks he talks about how much he loves the narrator for Lightbringer I forget what his name is
0: Simon Simon Vance somehow I know that. Wow. Simon Steven.
2: Vance. Dude, you you need to get yourself on Jeopardy, Steven. I I'm, I'm yeah, serious. Man. This is this is That impressive. will
1: never be a, that will never be a Jeopardy question. But
2: I know, but, but, but your then, ability but, to
1: but Steven <laughs> forgot Dorian's name twice in this podcast. That's true. So. That's true. Unravel
0: <laughs> um, unravel the character of Steven.
1: <laughs> so, Brent Weeks has talked about how much he loves working with Simon Vance and Simon Vance is going to narrate night angel nemesis okay he's he's even gonna have simon vance go back and re-record these books really which i don't know how i feel about doing that because it's kind of like a you're like telling the past narrator like it's a little bit of a slap in the face for them but not that good yeah
2: yeah there was nothing about this narration that i thought away from the experience at all I, I mean i'm not saying that this is like the best narrator ever but i mm. didn't have any complaints at all
1: some sometimes i d- i didn't really like his interactions between like logan and kylar i don't know why it's mm. but you're right you're right i i think that he did like a great job you know maybe he doesn't have the same type of range as Stephen pacey but
2: yeah but Pacey's one of the all-time greats, in my opinion.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, maybe,
0: I mean, I could see an explanation where you want to have consistency in one series. And if someone is new to the series, they might just like to have the same narrator all the way through. I know that a lot of people on Discord have discussed series where they change the narrator. And it's yeah. it's tough to get behind that, so...
1: Well, they did the same thing with the Dresden files with, there was one book, I think it was maybe ghost story where,
0: where James Marsters didn't do it.
1: Yeah. There was a scheduling conflict. So James Marsters didn't record it. So they had another guy go back and record it, which was probably fine. Mm. But uh, you know, James Marsters for a lot of people, his voice is the voice of the Dresden files. And right. So I could see why they would have him go back and re-record the book when his schedule allowed, but then like totally redoing another person's work, just that was done. It's like not even a remaster. I'm not Hmm. sure if I would, I would do it as an author. I I feel (laughs) bad. Yeah. I mean, who knows what all the, all the, um,
0: variables that play are there, but that's interesting. All right. Well, I think, uh, we've talked through all the angles of the way of shadows. So we will be continuing through the series and um, hopefully getting a little bit of a preview of night angel nemesis when it's closer to release time. Uh, The next book that I just finished, what's it called? Shadows edge, right? Book two. Um, Yes. Josh, Josh, you're going to have to pick up the pace on that one.
2: Dude, I know. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I read this book in like a week and a half. I didn't dilly down yeah. on it, but yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to chat with us more, we have a discord. You can uh, find the invite in the episode description and hop on, you know, if you've read the book, if you, I mean, assuming if you're still listening at this point, you probably read the book. So let us know uh, what you thought about the series and let us know what other favorites you have. And uh, let us know if you, like Ryan, think that this book is better than Lightbringer, because I, I find that to be an interesting opinion, but okay, I, I respect it.
1: And also, I I mean, I just think that I want to hear more people's positive opinions about this book and rebuttals to the arguments, because there's like a lot of things we talked about that I don't really have the words to rebut, but it's like hard to describe why I like this book so much. So I don't know. I, I I know why people don't like it. I want to hear why more people like it.
2: Fair enough. Comment below.
0: It's almost like you can come up with lots of, you know, more academic, more literary reasons and write it out and sound like a real nice argument. And, and maybe, you know, maybe it is a good argument. But at the same time, it's almost like, well, you know, it just kind of appealed to me. And as, yeah you know, as, you know, my, my teenage boy nature and like, If that's what the book is trying to do, then it really succeeded. Yeah. All right, Ryan, Josh, thanks, guys. Talk to you later. See you. Bye.